Welcome to the October 31st sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, and the sermon is entitled, The Road That Saul Chose, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. As we take God's Word today, we're going to see one of the beginnings of the most powerful, most amazing transformations and calls to come to Jesus that has ever been put out, that we can ever put our eyes on. And it is the drastic story of Saul. We look at Saul today, we see the model of what should happen when you encounter Jesus. When you encounter Jesus, there should be a change. There should be a change. If you continue to live life like you've always lived life after meeting Jesus, something is not right. Saul lays down the foundation that there should be a change in your life. And after that change takes place, here's what you must do. You must live and love and learn to serve Jesus with all that you have. So as we pour into this scripture today, the model is before us as we look to his holy word. The anxious walk to Damascus. Here's how it starts. Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into that city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Let us pray together. Father God, Lord, today, as we come into your house expecting to hear from you, expecting you to change us, Lord, impact our life on this day. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will just speak to every heart. And in only the way that you can, Lord, remove me out of the picture. God, I pray that people today hear the voice of the Lord talking to them. Lord, I pray that they hear the call of Jesus saying, what are you doing? God, I pray today, Lord, that there's one person that is in person or watching by live stream that needs you as Savior. God, today would be that day that they would not walk out of here kicking against you. But Lord, that you will call them to that place of repentance. God, we give this moment to you. And we pray that you work now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we think about the most powerful moments of the early church, and I take my Bible and we often go to the books of, book of Acts, 
And in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, it is probably the most uh, electric, powerful move of God that we've ever seen, right? We understand that the Holy Spirit descended on the people of God and they were adding and working every single day for the Lord. And the Lord caused the church to grow so much that every day they were adding new members. I'm not going to preach to my sermon yet, but I want to preach to you, church. We often want those results, but we don't want the commitment. We want the results. We want people to come in, and we want people to serve with us, but we don't want the commitment. It's hard, church, for us to give one hour a week to Jesus, yet we want the churches full. Something's wrong with that picture. Something's very wrong with that picture. But in order for the power of God to move, the people of God must move. And so today, church, the power of God is displayed in the second chapter of Acts. But the second most powerful thing, in my opinion, that I read from Scripture in the early church is the the, uh, life of Saul or Paul as we know it, as he testifies to the power of Jesus Christ. And today, I want you to know that you can find this in Acts chapter 9. You can also find it in Acts chapter 22. And you can find it in Acts chapter 26. So you have some homework today. As you leave, you got homework. Go read those accounts of what happened to Paul. And then as Paul stands to testify of what Jesus did in his life. There's a sermon there too, but I'm not going to go there, okay? The road that Saul chooses is a road that leads to Damascus. It's a road that leads to a place where he wants to go and persecute people. But I want you to do, I want you to know this, that as he takes this road, there will be three points today that I want to give you. Point number one is this. The road that Saul chose was a road that began with spite. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me, if you will. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. We are reintroduced to Saul. And when I mean reintroduced in the book of Acts, chapter number 7, at the end of it, we see Saul in Scripture as Saul is a part of the stoning of Stephen. We all understand that. Bible students, you know that. You know that he was there. You know that he laid, uh, they laid the coats at his feet as he gave his blessing to what happened to Stephen. But also at the beginning of chapter 8, here is the leader of persecution of the church And the Bible says in chapter 8, verse number 3, that he brought havoc there. He brought havoc to the church. Now the Greek word there for havoc is this. It's that of a ferocious animal seeking prey. So I want you to see a man in Saul that pursued Christians, that pursued the church in order not not to encourage them, but to destroy them and to rip them apart. And to tear them down. To throw them in prison. This is the man that we're talking about. He's going into every house. He's dragging men. He's dragging women out of their houses. Because they confess and th- that they believe in Jesus. What, happened, what would happen if that were to take place today? Would we stay quiet or we, would we continue to confess who Jesus really is? 
But I want you to see a man that is spiteful. As a member of the Sanhedrin, here's what he could do. He could go in, he could drag you out of your home, he could drag you to court. He could not, he could not issue the death sentence. Only the Roman government could issue that. But he could lead you that far. He could lead you so close to death for your faith. As Saul breathes those threats of murder upon the Christians and upon that early church, he wanted letters from the high priest that gave him permission to pursue those Christians. He was willing to walk 150 miles northeast to Damascus to pursue Christians. And that's what he's asking to do. With that havoc, with those threats, with murder in his heart, with, in, with murder in his heart, he wanted to pursue those Christians that loved Jesus. I want you to see that a man that is so full of spite, so full of ill intent, that he was willing to do whatever it took to squash Jesus out. His desire was power to carry out his will, what he wanted to do. He wanted them, the Christians fearful instead of being faithful. He wanted Christians bound. He wanted prisons filled with Christians. This was his life's goal. Now you say, Pastor Jeffrey, why are you talking to me about that? Here's why. As you look at your road that you're walking today, is there any intent, is there any spiteful thing that you are doing to other people? Well, you say, Pastor Jeffrey, I ain't killing nobody. It's all okay. Well, somehow we as Christians believe that if we, we're not killing anybody, we're okay. That's far from the truth. The truth of the matter is words kill people. Words hurt people. Words pull, run people away from the church. And there are people, uh, there are Christian people that have done this. On your walk with the Lord, you have ran people away. And so I want to warn you, of that thought, of that opportunity, be careful of the words that come out of your mouth. I'm not saying that you go pat and you, you accept every sin that is going on. No, I'm not saying that. Sometimes truth needs to be spoken in love. But here's what I'm saying, church. The dangers of the choices that we make. There is an acronym, Y-O-L-O. -O. You only live once. And our young people and our young adults are taking this acronym and this thought that they can do what they want, when they want, how they want, because they only live one time. And so I want to warn you, with that kind of mindset, you have the mindset of, of Saul. You have the mindset to do what I want to do because I can and I will. And Jesus is never ever in the picture. What does your road look like? What does the start of the road look like for you? Is it something that is full of you? Is it full, about, uh, full of your will and your desire and what you want? Or is God in the picture? I want you to know it was a road that started to Damascus, but for Saul, it was a road that was headed to hell. And he was on that road that, led, that, that was about what he wanted, his will 
his way or else. Jesus was not in the picture. And so this road to Damascus, point number one, starts out in spite. Thank God there's two more points to the story. If I quit there, you'd go home mad. I know that, right? Point number two today. Look at verses three through five. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse number five. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, or the goads, your Bible might say. Point number two today is... This, the road that Saul chose was a road that suddenly changed. You see, he had this mindset, I'm going to Damascus. I'm going to imprison people. I'm going to take people, drag them out of their homes, drag them back to Jerusalem, and in prison they will go. And so with papers in hand, permission in hand, he marches to Damascus. What he didn't know was life was about to change. He gets most of the way there, not quite to Damascus. And something changes. It wasn't the road, it wasn't the conditions of the road that changed him. But what it was is the person that he met along the way is what changed him. Now listen to me here. I'm sure some of you are walking roads of faith. And those roads, you say, Pastor Jeffrey, I'm on my road. I'm on that road. But along your road, things haven't changed. You've walked a road of faith for years and things have not changed. You're doing what you've always done since you were saved. The road doesn't change you. Jesus should. Jesus should make you better. Jesus should make you stronger. Jesus should draw you into himself and make you that person that you need to be. Just before he gets to Damascus, it all changes. The destination. I, I can see Saul now as he walks that road. He's almost there. Damascus is just over the hill. And he's sitting there saying, I can't wait to get there. How many people will we get today? I can see that in his heart. I can see that in that ferocious heart of his. But what happened when he met Jesus? The Bible said in, says in verse number 4 that he fell to the earth as that voice begins to speak to him. I don't know about you, but when I met Jesus, I knew Jesus was dealing with me. I knew something was going on. I knew there was a work. I knew that God was trying to get to my heart. And guess what? I resisted. A little bit. I was one of those guys that I'll wait to next week. I'll wait to next time. But when I met Jesus, here's what happened. Jeffrey fell on an altar and cried like a 15-year-old baby. That's what happened when I met Jesus. You see, what happens when you meet Jesus, change happens. Listen to some of the people who encountered Jesus Saul falls to the dirt road. Moses trembled as he, as he approached the burning bush. Isaiah, 
was undone. Ezekiel fell on his face. Daniel was afraid and fell on his face. Job says, fear came upon me and, I tre- and the trembling made my bones shake. John the Revelator says, I fell at his feet as dead. See, when you encounter Jesus, it should change you. It should move you to make a decision, move you to make a choice, and it will move you to answer a question. And here is the first question. Look at verse number 5. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Now, this is not a question that Jesus poses, but it is a question that Saul himself is asking Who are you? Jesus spoke to him at the end of verse number 4, calling him by name twice and asking him, Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this, Saul? Why are you refusing me? Why are you working against me? Everybody knows what a goad is, right? A goad is a sharp stick that they would use to uh, 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 properly uh, convince an animal to move. Okay, And some of us as Christians probably need a sharp stick after us in order order for God to get us where we need to go. Right? Amen. I'll sharpen my stick for next week, okay? I'm not the one with the stick. God is. God's got the stick after Saul and it's not to beat him. But the stick is to move him where God needs him to be. And as a young man, as a 15-year-old, I could feel that pressure. I could feel that push. I could feel that movement of God trying to get to my heart. And as he poked and as he prodded and as he sought to get to my heart, I said, no, not today, not today, not today. But I could feel that poke. I could feel that prod. I could feel that movement. And that's where Saul is. Saul is on a road, on the dirt, and he feels Jesus trying to get him, trying to get to him. And he asked him the question of this. Who art thou, Lord? You see, in my heart, I believe that Saul knew the message. In my heart, I believe that he heard Stephen preach it. In my heart, he had heard about Jesus. He knew the message, but he didn't know the messenger. The messenger showed up to show who he really is. And when the messenger shows up, when Jesus shows up in your life, life should change. Today, there are people that are sitting in a sanctuary at Clifford Baptist Church that may have heard the message but they don't know the messenger. Today there are people that are watching by a live stream that don't know the messenger. And if you feel that push, it's not the preacher with the sharp stick. It's Christ desiring to get to your heart. And with that same movement, He wants to move you himself Psalm 14 1 says the fool has said in his heart there is no God the fool has said in his heart there is no God 
Is it safe to say that Saul was a foolish man? Absolutely. At this point in time, he was a foolish man. A fool is someone who does not know God. Today, I encourage you, if you are watching or if you're here in person, don't make a foolish decision to carry on without Jesus Christ. Some of you keep resisting, kicking, being prodded. Jesus says, I've tried to lead you, but you're keeping on, keeping on. Quit kicking against what I want you to do. The road started out for Saul, breathing terror and threats, and now has him searching for the question, who is Jesus? Picture it now, Saul laid out in the road asking, who are you, Lord? The road suddenly changes. The answer to who the Lord is, I believe every one of you are walking by that question right now in your mind. And I believe the person that chooses not to answer the question and chooses to pursue a walk that distances themselves from God or distances themselves from eternal God, let's say, it, let's say it plain and bluntly, okay, who chooses hell has to walk by this question. I believe they have to walk by this question at some time in their life. Who is Jesus to you? On a very personal note today, before I leave this point, I want to make sure you hear the question and you are responsible for the answer. Who is Jesus to you? If you cannot call Him Lord today, if you cannot call Him Savior today, my prayer is this, that you feel that sharp prodding to come to Him. And not only do you feel it, but that you follow it as he moves you. Point number three today. Look at verses six through nine. God says this. God's word says this. And he trembling, astonished, said, this is Saul, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And when the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Point number three, the road that Saul chose is a road that led to submission. As Jesus meets Saul... Saul is carrying on everyday life. I'm going to uh, uh, pursue Christians. I'm going to give the threats of murder to Christians. That's my job. That's what I'm going to wait. That's what he woke up every day to do. And he was carrying on with his everyday life. Doing something that he enjoyed, loved, and that he couldn't wait to do. Until that other question came as Jesus poses it. Lord, what will you have me to do? As, as Saul poses that question to Jesus, what will you have me to do? Christian, be careful of that question. 
Because the answer to that question is going to lead you to a place that you may not want to be. You may be scared to go. But it is the greatest place of satisfaction you will ever get to. I believe today that Saul wasn't saved on the Damascus road. Now listen to me now. I don't think he was saved at this moment. I think God was beginning the work of his life in this moment. I think Saul was not saved on Damascus Road. I think he was saved on Straight Street in a little house uh, as he was in Damascus. I think that's where salvation took place for him. You can find that in Acts chapter 22 verse 16 if you want to look there. But here's what I want to say. The question is for every one of us today. We've got to ask God, what will you have me to do? If you are an unbeliever, a non-believer in this day, you need to ask this question. God, what do you want me to do with my life? And here's the answer. Come. Come to me. Believe me. Believe that my son died on the cross. Believe that my sin, my, your sins were on that cross. Believe that with all your heart. Trust me as Savior. We need to do that. But believers today, here's what I ask you. How will you ask that question? Lord, what do you want me to do? Imagine every person in this sanctuary, every person that's listening live stream, ask God that question, and when they receive the answer, they follow through. Friends, we have the early church. We have Acts chapter 2 in process if that were to happen. If we were faithful to follow God. Today, will we say, believers, Lord, my life belongs to you. I want to live to serve you. What would you have me to do? As we wind down our scripture for today. Saul receives instructions to continue on to the city. Hey, carry on on your trip. That's what Jesus says. Keep on going to Damascus. Saul stands up. He opens his eyes. And something is very different. He's ready to carry on with this trip. He's ready to head on to Damascus. But something is very different. And what's very different is in verse number 8, it says, He saw no man. As those eyes opened, he was blind. Now stay with me here. Saul just encountered Jesus, right? It should be a wonderful experience. It should be a great experience. It should be something that we talk about. And yet as he stands and he opens his eyes, there's nothing. This powerful leader who breathed threats to the Christians in Damascus was now a humble, humble man. He never entered Damascus in his visions he entered Damascus under God's leading. And he had to submit to that. There was no choice but to submit. Now I'm not praying that God strike all of us blind today. But here's what I am praying. 
I'm praying that God brings every single one of us to that place of submission before Him. And here's what it requires. It requires every single person from the pulpit to the back to fall down before God and say, God, what do you want me to do? As his good buddies reach out and take his hand. They lead him on the rest of the journey. I can only imagine the words ringing through Saul's mind. It's going to be told what you're going to have to do. I'm going to show you what you have to do. In a very humble way, submission was beginning. God had a striking blind in order to do it. Friends, today, what if God took a drastic action like that? I told you I didn't have a drastic story. God didn't strike me blind. But what God did, God opened some blind eyes in my heart. God opened my blind eyes to reveal himself to me. Friends, today, how many of us are ready to submit That's a loaded question. How many of us are willing to say, God, I need you to show me what I need to do. Where you want me to serve. Where you want me to go. What you want me to do. I need you to show me your will, not my own. Truth of the matter is this. It may take somebody falling before God on their knees to figure that out. Today, the story continues. Acts chapter 9, but the preaching doesn't. Your homework before this night is over is finish chapter 9 in your Bible. You get halfway through chapter 9, the roles become reversed. And Saul is now fearing for his life because he serves Jesus. Because he gives his life to Jesus. One more minute and I'm done. But here's the question I want to ask you today. What does your everyday road look like? Most Christians, here's how their answer begins. I was saved when I was a little kid. You're an adult now. You're an adult now. You are an adult now. You you have nothing to tell me, but I was saved when I was a kid. How are you serving? How are you working? How are you leading your life? What does every day look like for you as a Christian? Maybe today, listen to me, it may be of spiteful, hateful things. It may be of criticism and gossip. It may be full of everything but Jesus. Maybe today if I asked you the question, does your road need a change in it? Do you need need to hit a speed bump along the way? Does something need to change on your road? And you answer the question, who are you, Lord? If you answer that question honestly, I will promise you, your life will change. Your life will change. You may know of Jesus, you may have heard of Jesus, but until you trust Him for yourself, life will never change. Eternity will not change for you. Hope will not change for you. 
And there are a pile of people outside of these doors that are seeking the answer to that question. Who is Jesus? What can he do for me? Well, come on in. Let me tell you. That should be our attitude. Today, maybe there's somebody in this sanctuary, somebody watching by live stream that needs to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. That needs to have an encounter with him. See, Pastor Mike has been preaching through the book of John and we heard about the cross last week. That changed my life. Understanding that changed my life. And today, if somebody needs to understand the price of sin, don't look to the preacher. Look to the cross. And when you understand that, when you follow that, it will lead you to the foot of the cross every single day. It will lead you, to, lead you to the foot of Jesus. Understanding that he defeated death on the third day. And he rose from the grave to give you eternal life. Friends, that can change your life. Christian. Church member. Maybe we need to answer, ask the question, or answer, answer the question. Lord, what would you have me to do? Can I be honest with you? If we want the power of the early church, one hour is not enough. One hour is not enough. How can we be fully committed to the work of Jesus Christ through the local church, through your ministries, through your gifts, and through your talents? God, what would you have me to do? Here I am. Use me. Today, as we approach the altar, I pray that you ponder those questions. And if you feel that nudging from the Holy Spirit, that God will move you and me to the place where He desires us to be. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, today, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, and only the way that I can, God, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters here the people that I walk along beside and I work along beside in ministry. Lord, many of them hold my arms up. Lord, in this moment, I want to pray for them. God, I want to pray that you move in their life. I want to pray that you move in their heart. God, I pray that you move that one that's been sitting and stale so long. God, you move them to you. God, we want to reach the world. We want to be a powerful force in the world. We want to be with the power of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray, Lord, you convict hearts today. You move people closer to you today. God, today, if there's one person that needs you as Savior, God, I pray that they will fall on their knees before you. God, that they will come before you in knowing that you are the great price of their sin. God, I pray, Lord, today the blood of Jesus over this time of invitation. God, that you move and that you move people in only the way that you can. God, thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.